Hey everybody, welcome to the Wealthy Retailer Podcast. Uh, I'm the I'm the pitch guy. I'm the co-host. I'm Rob Lollisher. Proud to introduce Dan Holman. How are you doing today, Dan? Uh, Canada Day, brother. Couldn't be any better. Canada Day, yeah. July 1st and uh, Independence Day coming for our American friends right away. A kickoff to summer. And, and Dan, yeah. we thought, what better way? We, we know everyone wants to find a beach or two and, and some, uh, some chilled cocktails. But uh, you came up with a great list, and I love this. And I and, uh, uh, love the name, too. You call it the Summertime Nine. And, and just a good, you know, when you've got time in between beaches and, and drinks, and of course, the, the ongoing chaos of running your retail operation, but just some good things to, um, you know, you talk lots, Dan, about making sure retailers make time for working, you know, on their business, on. necessarily in. And uh, you, you've got this great list, and I, I think folks are really going to enjoy it. And uh, I'm going to shut up now, and I'm, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you take it away, sir. Right on, right on. You know, speaking of working on, um, as this podcast comes out, I will be working on my tan. Um, actually, maybe even giving my liver a bit of a workout, having some fun <laughs> uh, in the shoe swaps. So this is really a good time to take a step back and revisit opportunities that are standing in front of us and we did go and create this fun little nine item checklist that uh you know maybe poses a bit of a question or a statement that retailers kind of need to pay attention to and uh number one let's just roll into this number one learn to earn um and education without application is just entertainment this is probably one of my favorite Tim Sanders quotes of all time. We've spent so much time, you know, consuming information and gaining or broadening our knowledge base, especially in the last year. Every single retailer I know has looked for some self-help opportunities. Self-help, you know, how do I get a little stronger? How do I get a little better? Um, and those, those opportunities to get healthier, to get stronger and and we're paying for that education right. either with cash or time um your most valuable resource is time and you're paying for that and so the question we've got to ask ourselves are we monetizing that education or is it simply entertainment right on right on that makes me think when you talk about cash and time I'm going to ask the question, Dan, you know, you, you deal with all kinds of different retailers every day. Right. How do you guide them on, on when it comes to the dollars they should invest, be it a percentage uh, the time that they shouldn't, what, how, how should they guide their, their learning going forward? Well, every retailer should dedicate a minimum of 60 minutes every single day on educating themselves on something they don't know, broadening their knowledge on something they shouldn't, they, they don't know. And that hour doesn't necessarily happen nine to five. It might be at six to seven in the morning while you're having your morning coffee and Bailey's or, you know, drinking a Greyhound on the top deck of the boat, whatever it is, you've got to invest in yourself every single day day. Lots of retailers, lots of people, business people talk about the power of meditation, the power of clarity breaks. And that is in fact, an opportunity for furthering, you know, your professional development or your education. So I'm of the belief that 30 to 60 minutes a day has to be spent 
learning something new, honing a skill you don't have, you know, practicing, getting better. And listen, you're you're a, a, a has been a was athlete. How do I say it? What's the most politically uh, correct way to say was, it? Never was, <laughs> never. <laughs> but you practiced, yeah. right? Yeah. You practice every single day to get better at your craft. And I think, you know, I'm somebody that listens to some podcasts. Yeah. You know, I listen to a podcast or two virtually every day when I'm walking. Um, I love to get out and walk and that's where I get my clarity breaks. And sometimes nice. it's 30 minutes. Sometimes it, it stretches, you know, to 60, 90 minutes depending on what I'm listening to. Um, and, and as I'm listening to these podcasts, I'm asking myself, is this entertainment or is this education? And I have to categorize them. Some things I do, they're purely entertainment driven. Yep. But if I'm listening to something that is retail specific or entrepreneurial specific or something you know, from, from one of the mentors that I listen to on a regular basis, that's education. And I have to decide how am I going to monetize this education? How's it going to make me better? So I don't have, Rob, a good answer on how much money okay. we should spend on education. I, I have a good idea of how much effort should go into education. And, and broadening our knowledge, every retailer is doing it. But my worry is, that we're consuming all this great information and it's just simply entertainment because we're not taking action on anything. You've got to have this, you know, checklist. I, I, and, and on the white paper for the podcast, we'll include a couple of sections that allow you to write down action items. And I actioned right. something I learned today. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. Anyone do. who's listening, just, uh, yeah, you brought that up. We're going to create, uh, um, you know, the summertime nine on, on the website that you can go to print this out, good little, just, you know, way to digest it another way, make your own little notes and your own, more importantly, your own action items, because without those right. action items, I'd say all of it stays in the uh, entertainment, entertainment category, side. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And while we love entertainment, it's perhaps not the best strategy for our business. edutainment? That edutainment. <laughs> edutainment. All right. Let's create a new word. Edutainment. All right. My number two uh, is this inflation situation that we're seeing. Inflation is upon us and it's time to price up. Costs are on the rise significantly in some verticals, as you probably know, with all the lumber memes going around. Yep, yep. And we need to pay very close attention to the landed cost on our new goods. When, you know, what lands in your store tomorrow may cost you more than it did yesterday. And we need to take this opportunity, not issue, not challenge, but opportunity to revisit our pricing structure and strategy to start inching prices up. Just $1 on every item in your store makes for a way better vacation. Is this an exercise, Dan, of, is this the entire inventory? Or, or is this like a starting point of start, you know, three months back? What what are some of the time frames? Because as you said, it's dynamic right now in a lot of categories. Right. right. And we're seeing price increases from tons of apparel vendors, from, from home goods suppliers, from furniture. I mean, furniture is going to, I mean, the shit has hit the fan in the furniture world with the tariffs that they're seeing, almost 300% increases in, in tariff fees. You know, so the costs are going up. And I want everyone to remember this. Cash margin is way more important 
than gross margin. Margin dollars, maybe I'll say it like this, margin dollars are way more important than the percentage. If you've got to drop your margin percentage down a little bit on a heavier priced item, you're still putting more dollars in the bank. We've got to revisit, to answer your question directly, you need to revisit your pricing every single day. Every time you receive something, you've got to ask yourself, what will she pay for this? And that's how we price it. And as costs come in, we've got to get off of this idea that a two-time mark or a two-time 2.1 mark is sufficient. You've got to ask yourself, how do I get a little more out of this? And that's, you know, inflation is going to help us increase our prices. It's the best thing that can happen in retail right now. We've been on this, you know, horrible race to the bottom of the bucket on price. And we've got to get off of product-based pricing and back onto value-based pricing. And this is part, partly where it starts. Nice. Number three, Marketlicious. Marketlicious. Oh, I didn't come up with that let, headline. Let's write a song with that one, Dan. I, I want to. You know, and my question is markets are back. Are you ready? One of the most fun and sometimes daunting aspects of a retailer's job is going to market. And while there will be some slight changes to the way, you know, markets operate, they're back. Yep. And we need, need, not want. We need to be there. More than being there, we need to be ready. By ready, I mean being prepared, knowing what you're looking for, how much you need to spend. Know before you go what you want to get out of going to market. Commit to spending as much time with vendors you don't know as the time you spend with the ones you do. you got to go to market. You've got to look for new opportunities, new home runs. And home runs, you know, start with singles in your store. And and you've got to test the market. There's lots of new opportunity out there. Right on. Almost like the first point, I I asked the same thing, Dan, uh, just kind of allocating. You talk about how to spend time when you're there. I asked the question, how much time should retailers be devoting within within their year and the dollars with it? Is there such a thing as too much or, or not? Well, enough? listen, let's talk about the three things that happen at market. Number one, I visit the, the people that I know. It's that connection to my friends, my friends that, have, that, that are my vendors that have become friends. You know, I, I get to rekindle past relationships. I get to make new relationships and I get education, right? If the market you're going to is not offering any education, don't go. Yeah. You know, let's, let's get a good three-way out of this thing and so how much time you've got to you've got to look at going at least to three different markets a year we have two seasons and a fill-in buy and markets you know happen spring summer fall winter and there are markets in all different places on the continent at different times and you'll decide and going to the exact same market all the time makes no sense either going to see other markets other opportunities gives you perhaps a different light on what they look like. So when it comes to the dollars spent, the dollars spent have to be weighted against uh, uh, income generated, against revenue generated. You know, travel travel and entertainment, often one of our P&L line expenses, for me, does not belong below the cost of goods line. It belongs above it, right? There's two kinds of travel. There is the, the fun, Dan's on a boat for the week, travel, And then there's the work stuff. 
that is where I go and acquire my goods. And that becomes part of your cost of goods sold. And so if your cost of goods, cost of purchase, you know, up yeah. in that cost of purchase neighborhood, if your cost of purchase is in line, you can afford to go to more than three markets. You can maybe afford now to fly across the water to a market, which is even more fun. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. right on. Okay. Number four. Number four for me was just, hey, are you ready? Are you planning for a record fall and winter? The best leadership advice I was ever given was to become a better predictor. This means rising above today and looking at tomorrow and beyond to see the path that you're on and whether it needs to be changed or realigned. One of the key attributes of good leadership is the ability for short and long-term prediction. You have to plan for your success. You got to write it down and measure your progress every day, every week, every month and beyond. This makes me think of, uh, you ever heard of Warren Buffett's 25-5 rule? Yeah. I like that. And and for those who don't know it, you, you know, write 25 things that, that you want to get done and then you know, identify the five that these are the most important. And when you most talk important. about planning for that record right. fall, winter, don't kid yourself you may write 25, you'll never get to it. And and probably some of his best advice out of it is once you identify the five, you need to 100% ignore the 20. The 20. You've not circled right. to, to retain that focus. Right. And Rob, this, go, go back a couple of weeks on the podcast and probably even last week, we continue to talk about when and when, what's achievable and what's important. Marrying what's important now with what's achievable. And, and Warren's five for 25 or five out of 25 is the exact same thing. Let's pick the five that are most important, but they've got to become achievable. You've got to achieve those five before you worry about the 20. You've heard me talk about my deck of cards before, right? I write in some cases, there's probably only 30 things left in there, but those are my 30 ideas and I pull one out and I bring it to life. I mean, that is the same strategy. I don't worry about what's left in the deck of cards. I worry about the five cards that are in my hand. I play the cards I'm dealt. In some cases, I fix the deal, but I play the cards I'm dealt. And planning for your success means that you're writing it down. You're mapping it out. You've chosen this path to success and now we're measuring it along the way, which for me, Rob, sort of rolls right into number five, okay. the scoreboard, man. The only way to know when you're winning is to keep score. We are consumed day to day in our stores. So consumed, we rarely lift our heads to see if we're actually winning the game. A scorecard is the best way to keep your finger on the pulse of the business. This metric driven scorecard or scoreboard is with, with five to 15 key measurables lets you know when you're winning. It provides inspiration to keep pushing forward and it lets us know when a course correction is required. This, this five to 15 numbers when measured across several weeks yep. tells us a story. Two weeks ago on the podcast, you know, we talked about uh, Christine from Deloitte's She's the chief commercial officer. She talked about how important being data-driven was and right. that the retailers that are going to see success are the ones that are making the best data-driven decisions. Well, that scorecard becomes part of your data. It's part of your weekly scorecard meeting. It tells you whether you're on track 
or yeah. off track. You brought up meeting and I'm going to ask that question, you know, this scoreboard, how much of it is visible, should be visible? Would you like to see visible to the to part of the team, the entire team? What should retailers be doing there? Well, I'm going to answer this question with a question. How do you get buy-in from your team? You include yeah. them. They become part of the fabric, part of the measurement, part of the scoreboard. Why would we ever keep track of a number we don't ever share? How do we improve those numbers? Who drives those numbers? You? If you had to lump all retailers together today, Dan, out of 10, what does that look like? How transparent are retailers to their teams these days? Uh, if I was going to score them out of 10? Yeah. Three. Three out of 10. Yeah. A lot, you see a ton of opportunity out there in retail land to really. We're not sharing good numbers with people. We're not sharing metrics. We're not allowing them to see the score. Do you know what we let them see? Sales. Right. Sales. Sales is our only target in retail, which is the most broken target ever created in retail. I don't give a shit what your sales goal is. I want to know what your conversion goal is. I want to know what your traffic goal is. Sales is a consequence. We've said this before. Sales is a consequence. If it's the only thing you ever measure, you're really not influencing it. Right? So that sales volume, while sales to plan is an important metric, yep. so are the three that lead to sales volume. They should be on your scorecard. Love it. And you got to share it with your team. If you're not sharing it with your team, um, they're they're rolling in the Dan, dark. Dan threw his hands up for those in listener land who, <laughs> who can't see. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if you're doing this right, listening to it, not watching it on on YouTube. Which, by yeah. the way, all of our stuff is always recorded and on YouTube. If go. you ever want some, uh, if you ever want to look at two goofy guys on on your screen, that's where you can find there us. We go. Uh, let's roll on to number six. Number six for me is about her calling the shots. She calls the shots. Cash flow is our queen. Ask any retailer, myself included, at one point or another, cash flow has been, is, and will be again an issue. And it needs to be treated like royalty, right? We've got a bow to the cash. Cash flow is this sustainable, renewable energy in our stores. And our actions should always support our cash and its ability to lead our direction. There you go. This might be a hard question to answer, but it, is there a sense of percentage of, be it of sales, Dan, that, that uh, retailers should have liquid? Um, and, and I would add to that too, do you consider like our line of credit, like access to, to, to cash? What, just what are your thoughts when I, when I ask that way? So when I talk about cash flow leading our, our path, leading our direction, yeah. truthfully, every retailer should have about 10% of their revenue that's liquid. All right, and we'll talk about profit first in okay. one of the other nines. Yep. But having some liquid is what allows you that sustainability. And access to cash, Rob, to answer your question, is in fact just as important as, as liquid cash. And I talk about cash flow more so from a perspective of ongoing operating cash than I do this big safety net, right? right. Cash flow comes from us turning inventory. The faster we turn inventory, the more cash. Think of that bicycle tire going through the puddle or you're, you know, you're driving down the road and you see your neighbor and there he is standing on the sidewalk, flicking cigarette butts out and there's a puddle. You go as fast as you can in that puddle, man. 
you see how big that spray you can get them. Cash is the same way. The faster you turn your inventory, the bigger the spray of cash, right? So it is about picking up speed in, in turning inventory to generate cash. And, and by us paying this homage to cash like it's royalty, we make better decisions. Am I going to invest in that product? Mm, not unless it's going to turn quick enough to get me the cash back out of it. Yep. So there's two ways to look at cash flow. You know, how much inventory we buy depends on how much cash or resource we have going forward. And being an efficient retailer means we turn cash to inventory back to cash. Our efficiency score is measured on how quickly we turn invested cash in product back into cash that we use again to continue driving the business yeah. forward. Biggest mistake retailers make is they stop buying. You know, some accountant at some point told them, you're over position inventory, you've got to stop buying. Well, it chokes off cash. Instead of saying, what parts of the inventory are driving the most cash right. in the business today? Let's spend money there and choke yeah. off the things that are dying. You see, that's cash flow leading the direction, yeah. not profitability. Well, and, and you talk so much about knowing your categories, right? And, right. and not treating them all fast or slow as equal and, and doing it in the right places. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, Rob, my number, are we on number seven already? Number seven. <sighs> Flying summertime, through this thing, man. Summertime nine. Summertime nine. Here we are. Number seven. Rain is inevitable. And I'm going to ask you, on, do you man. have an umbrella? It's summer. It's, it's summer, summer Don't man. Don't tell us about rain. It, well, it's going to rain. We're going to have rainy days. And remember, in number six, as we talk about cash flow being this yep. sustainable, renewable energy, the healthiest action you can take for your business in the next six months is start putting profit first. Create the habits required to build a rainy day fund right now. Put as little as 3%, 3% of your monthly gross revenue into a separate bank account and watch it grow. Yeah. My best retailers, Rob, put their tax collected away each month as well and earn, albeit not great, but earn interest. Yep. on the tax that's due next month or next quarter. We yank that money away so that we become accustomed to operating with a little bit less. You know, this, this acronym wealthy in retail, the L is lean, man. Learn to operate your business in a more lean manner. Operate the business with less cash, putting profit first. And you start with as little as 3%. If you do 100 grand in sales next month, I expect you to put $3,000 in a separate bank account, savings account. Is this to you totally, um, you know, rainy day, this uh, rainy day is going to come or is this a bit opportunity might come too? Do you, do you look at these the same or are they different? Now they're the exact same. This is the habit that we want to create. <laughs> we want to create having cash, having liquid putting profit ahead of everything else, putting profit ahead of expense. Here's the deal. If you don't fill your bucket up today, how are you going to fill someone else's bucket up? That analogy holds true with the words we speak and the actions we take. If I don't put cash away, how am I ever going to look after my team? 
If I don't have cash, how am I ever going to look after my customer by buying the product she wants and needs from me? And this just simply creates new habits. And at the end of the day, end of the week, end of the year, you've amassed a good bit of cash that you control, right? I can tell you, um, heading into the pandemic, um, it was easy for me to say, send out an email to all of our retailers. You know, we did this in April, send it April last year, send an email out to all of our retailers and let's just do a check-in. Let's find out who needs our help and who doesn't, who needs us to, you know, defer billing, suspend billing, squash it, ignore it. Who needs that help from us? And we made that decision, what was best for our retailers from us being in a healthy position. We leaned on our rainy day fund, Yep. right? I want a new sign for my building. I go back to my rainy day fund. I want to hire a new person. I go back to my rainy day fund. I shared this with a retailer this week. I've never hired anyone in my business that I didn't have their wage already in the bank. It mitigates risk, right? It allows me to look at them through a different yep. light. When How we long? hire someone Curious. without the ability to pay, sorry, go ahead. Like a year's worth? Well, what's yeah. the duration of that? Yeah, me, I, I, I'm a year's worth kind of guy, but I've been yeah. doing this, I've been doing this habit. I've been practicing this for a long time. You know, I teach every single person that walks through my door, you got to operate with less, even though I'm the biggest offender of spending more. <laughs> you know, I have to answer to Candace and all the crazy stuff that I spend money on. Um, <laughs> But I'm also that guy that recognizes the importance of, hang on a minute, it's the first of the month. What's my, you know, day one activity? Look at last month's sales and start moving some money over. Let's get profit first. So, Rob, it does become, you know, a capitalization fund. It becomes a vacation fund. It becomes a expansion fund. It, it satisfies a lot of things. The biggest, smartest thing it does is create habit that puts profit first so that I'll be here tomorrow. Awesome. Whew. Number eight. <laughs> Number eight is HGH illegal. Is it illegal? HGH, human growth hormone. While it may be illegal in some circles, it's 100% legal in your store. And human growth hormone is absolutely imperative in our stores. We need to inject our teams with vision and values to ensure we're delivering for her more now than ever we need to have we need to better prepare our people we need better people in our stores we've got to invest in their game we've got to level them up remember minimum wage equals minimum output uh, uncapped earnings uncapped performance which one do you want in your store that's uh, i love that question Okay, here's one back at you. If, if you had to give retailers a couple, three things, action items to do today that you think would just have the best impact on, on their team, what, what jumps to your mind, Dan? Number one, invest in a selling system. Invest in selling training, sales training. Okay. Start coaching your people to be better salespeople and use an outside voice for that. There are lots of really good ones out there. Uh, Retail Sales Academy with, with uh, Whizbang Bob, Great, great little program to get you focused in the right direction. Uh, the Friedman Group does some amazing sales training, both salespeople, sales manager. So my number one 
invest in your people, further their development, make them great. And Rob, you're going to ask me, well, you know, if I go to all this expense to train them, what happens when they leave? And you know the answer, right? What happens if they don't? What happens if they stay? What happens if (laughs) they stay? Right on, man. You got to invest in people and you've got to recognize that the product is the commodity in the store, right? The most valuable thing you have is the people that stand in front of your customer. You included, right? You included. You've got to invest in yourself. And this is this is probably one of the biggest mistakes that retailers make is they don't invest in themselves. They don't try to get better, which creates this habit of not trying to get their people better or a consequential habit of not even focusing on getting their people better and making the mistake of hiring warm bodies because that's all that was available. Yeah, yeah, what a great excuse. Minimum wage, minimum performance. Minimum wage, minimum output, man. What yep. what do you want from people? Minimum, 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 minimum. We aren't McDonald's. Yep. Right? We're not we're not spoon-fed product and 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 ch- cashier positions. We've got to connect with people. And it takes real people to do that. You've got to invest in them. Okay, Dan, summertime nine. Coming in hot for number nine here. What do you got? <laughs> it's a scorcher. Scorcher 22, 2022 is going to come in hot. And my question is, will you be ready? Good parents and great coaches have a small handful set of rules and they repeat themselves often. So here goes. Superior merchandise planning is the key ingredient to becoming wealthy in retail, a forward-looking plan allows us to play offense in our store. A great plan looks beyond today and sets you up for the best year retail has experienced in decades. 2022 is going to be big. Are you going to be ready? Inventory yeah, ready. That's exciting. Hey, Dan, if, if someone... If they don't have a plan or they want to maybe improve on their existing plan, what what steps can they take? Data, data, and data. Use data to tell a story about where you're going, right? I talked with a retailer earlier uh, this week that we were talking about her best vendor. The way she defined her best vendor was the biggest vendor, the one that had the highest sales volume. She lost a hundred and some grand last year with that vendor. Interesting. Right? Data told us the story to be a better buyer with that vendor. Here's what the cash margin is. Here's what my maintained margin is with that vendor. Here's so much cash I actually generate to operate my business. Remember, this is not about covering off the cost of purchase. It's covering off the operation. So, If you're using your own plan or you're lucky enough to work with a management one plan, lucky enough, that made it sound like it was a privilege. If you're smart enough (laughs) to work with with an artificially intelligence-driven, a data-driven plan, it will look forward for you. It's built on a backbone of data, data that drives action in your store, whether it be buying or selling, it's gonna drive some action. And that is what retailers need to be prepared to do. If you're using your own 
you know, bottom up or top down open to buy plan. Good on you. Love that you're doing that. Start adding some more influence, data driven influence to your own plan. And even if you're sitting on a beach, you have access to email. I know it. Who's <laughs> so not got their freaking phone sitting does, beside them all the time right now? How do they do that? How do they get a hold of you? They got to send an email to Dan at the wealthy retailer.com. Listen, we're going to share this um, summertime nine as a white paper. We'll throw some action points in it. Uh, so make sure you're subscribed to the newsletter at retailbycrs.com. Um, you don't even have to subscribe to it. If you send me an email, I'll make sure you get subscribed to it so that you get a copy of this. And of course, you can head over to our website, retailbycrs.com. It's there. It's downloadable. Um, yeah, get this list. And if you've got questions, fire them off. I mean, this is just a breeze through. Here's nine action items, action topics or, or yep. opinion topics. You know, if there's more you want in this, just send me an email. We'll jump on a call. No, no, no cost, no obligation. Just jump on a call and answer a question about it. Expand on it a bit. That's what we're here for. Right on. Yeah. Great job, Dan. That was awesome. The Summertime 9. Um, as you said, if uh, you want to uh, get more on it, head to retailbycrs.com. We'll be back with the uh, with the regular podcast uh, coming out every every Thursday and, and the headlines that matter to you, the independent retailer. So, right on. Uh, please uh, follow along, subscribe, and uh, thanks for joining us. Right on. Happy retailing, everyone. <laughs>